Good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is Sunday, October 17th, 2021. And our sermon is entitled Pride Wars. Pride Wars. And we've gathered this morning together as a body of believers, ready to fight for the vision of our great king. We are growing together in greater capacity more than ever before at any point in time. We want to tell you that this year's one association of churches meetings, we will be gathering with the other leaders of the 12 springs to focus on building highways oh, yeah. between our collective cities of refuge. Amen. That's what we will be doing. Would you like to know what you will be doing? You will be de demonstrating your newfound directives, carrying his presence on your shoulders as you stand shoulder to shoulder, operating as one man and unified as brave warriors, ready and fit for the battle. Oh, come on. As we told you, today's sermon is entitled Pride Wars. We're going to begin our text today in 1 Chronicles 12, verse 8. As you're turning, say Pride Wars. Some Gadites defected to David at his stronghold in the wilderness. They were brave warriors, ready for battle, and able to handle the shield and spear. Their faces were the faces of lions. And they were as swift as gazelles in the mountains. Now the truth is, as I have read this passage many times, it's one of my favorite. And as I was looking at this yesterday, in light of what we have been studying, I've read this for many, many years and thinking about it, the individual face of an individual man. And no doubt these individuals were pretty intimidating. But this is not the import of the passage. What this passage is saying is that their faces were the faces of lions. That they were as swift as gazelles. Now it's one thing if a lion walked in the room, how intimidating that would be. But if you had a whole group of them walking in of the same kind, what would that do to the enemies that were present? They would run in fear. Did you get that? That together... They were like an approaching lion and swift as gazelles on the mountains. That's scary. Well, it's one thing to have, you know, a six or 700 pound beast like a lion approaching you. And then to add to that, the nimble nature, the swiftness of a gazelle. It's almost like having a 380 pound down lineman that's running at you and he can definitely help maneuver you. Would that strike fear and terror in your eyes? together, collectively, is how we have to view this, that they had the faces of lions. Among the warriors that David had, these men were notable. They were notable because they fought together as powerful lions. In Hebrew, the thought process here is that these men were arranged in right formation, and they fought like lions, and they looked like a pride of lions pursuing their prey. Guys, you beginning to get it? This is not just about the tenacity of an individual man. It's about a whole group of men that rallied to David and reminded Hebrew men of lions that banded together and could yeah. bring down prey much larger than themselves. Church, this morning we are taking aim at the demonic, caustic, corrosive campaign that is warring against your powerful purpose and the potential that is to be perfected, that potential that lies right here within this room. 
See, these enemies that we're talking about right now are not as obvious as the one that uh, sometimes our President Biden blatantly ignores. See, these enemies are actually subtle. They're actually subversive. These subtle sins desire to slay your calling. They desire to slay your unity and the purposes of God that are right here present in this room today. Look, I just think it's a miracle if Biden blatantly ignores anything. It's not much as going up top as it is. You have to notice it to be able to ignore exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. But some of the things that Pastor Wade just said, do you have a calling? Yes. Do you have a purpose? Yes. Have you been experiencing unity and the power that comes from it? Yes. Well, we're talking about enemies that war against these things. Enemies like the internal despair caused by feelings that you are a failure or that you've been a disappointment. Oh, come on now. It'd be very easy to hear him say that, and yet I know those very thoughts have rattled around every one of your brains in the last seven days. The discouragement caused by operating in faithlessness regarding working in teams. How about this one? The internal demonic dialogue that says, man, I love what God is doing in you. I love what God is doing in them. But the truth is, is you don't believe that it can or happen inside of you. I mean, I just don't see it happening for me. Maybe I'm just the only one that the word of God, maybe I'm the only one that teams just don't really work for. Not true. That's a lie. I got, I got one more for you. No, we're going to have fun with this one. Oh yeah. That you're seeing the demonstrable evidence that you're being left out. It's not just thoughts, pastor. I'm watching it. That's, I mean, that's, that's what plainly is in front of my face. I was left out. I was left behind. I was so much in this position that I am toying with the idea of writing my own left behind series. Ah, uh, the new Tim LaHaye. Surmounting evidence. The that new I was. Tim LaHaye aboard. Church, we're speaking of your enemies. You are not the enemy. We are not the enemy. There are internal thoughts that are caustic and warring against your saved souls. Yeah. We're going to pick up in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 11 together. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows we do. As Pastor Wade's famous saying goes, <laughs> we love our church. That's right. And I will keep on doing what I am doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equaled with us in the things they boast about. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. Come on now. We want everybody to relax. Just taking a deep breath. Let it out for a second. No one is being handed over to Satan today. So let's just all take no. a breath. Not yet. We'll see how the service. Yeah, goes. we'll see how this, I guess this finishes. But what we're talking about today are the false apostles. Think about it. The word apostles means those who have been sent. The false apostles that we are speaking about today are the falsehoods that have been sent to divert your attention from the successes that God is building inside of our families, the successes that he's building inside of this brotherhood, even the successes that are being built in our churches of the One Association. Wow. Hey, another one that is evident. 
in this passage is deceitful workers. These are the things that are working to divide and conquer you. Separating you from the strength of the brotherhood that you so desperately need. It's seeking to deceive you into believing that your boundary lines in this body have not fallen in pleasant places. So Psalm 36, it comments on this subject in that we flatter ourselves too much to detect or even hate our own deceitful desires. Look, flattery, it comes in many forms, right? It can come in the form of exalting yourself higher than you should or exalting other thoughts of your brothers higher than it should. Either way, it's attacking mm -hmm. and trying to cut the ground out from underneath you. Has anybody noticed that in some six weeks of preaching on unity, you've had a flurry of minor offenses, mild frustrations, or difficulty that is unusual? Anybody notice that? Yeah. Masqueraders is the next section. So many subjects that this applies to. Things that masquerade as righteousness, that appear right to a man, but are not the Lord's path. Masquerading subjects in the, the lives of the men and women in this room are innumerable. They're too many to number, but they are working to tempt this body to accept something other than the real thing. These are areas where you know what is right, but an easier solution, a masquerading angel of light is saying, well, this will suffice. This manifests as moments of momentary meltdown because of the mounting pressure in your life. You feel despair and that you really don't think you can quite get there. You're frustrated at work. You're frustrated at home. You have a feeling of unproductivity in everything that you touch. Oh, wow. These were intentional substitutions for the life, the productivity, and the purpose that is yours. We want to cut the ground out from underneath these enemies from our pride. Somebody say our pride. Our pride. Now look, when we say cut the ground from under, isn't that a great phrase? Verse 12 is what we are quoting from. When we're talking about doing that, we are talking about undermining the enemy. We are talking about undermining the enemy, you know, kind of like a number 16 where men of God stood together on the word of God and they saw Korah and his entire rabble swallowed because the earth had been undermined from beneath them. See, this is what we are talking about. Think about it. Maybe you've never thought about it to undermine someone. What does that mean? It means you dug beneath them and took the earth out from beneath their feet. This is what the enemy is trying to do to us, but because of the word of God, because we're operating as a pride of lions today, we Amen. are the ones that cut the earth out from underneath these demonic, caustic thoughts. Come on, church. Are you going to be a pride of lions? Amen. We are growing in our unity in this effort. Let me give you some direction. This morning, we will not be swallowed and undercut by these wicked thoughts. It is our enemy that will be swallowed by the very living word of God. These corrosive, subversive attacks have been working to undermine our great king's work inside of us, inside of this church. But it is our enemy who will be undermined by our king who is able to perfect us. Our king who is able to purpose us. Our king who is able to produce power in us in an ongoing and ever-increasing manner.
The Apostle Paul also comments on the adversaries that he just listed. And he gives us a solution. This is 2 Corinthians 12, 20. For I'm afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want to be. And you may not find me as you want me to be. <laughs> I know there are fathers in the room that understand yeah, many this. Many parents can relate to that Says one. every child before their father gets home. I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, and selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. Before we get to verse 21, let's talk about this for just a moment. Paul is specifically naming enemies that are working to undermine God's people. What were they? They were subtle and subversive thoughts. Adversaries that produced discord and jealousy. Guys, the things you would think that were opposing the early church, perhaps it would be persecution. Perhaps it would be what Rome was doing. Yeah. The things that he's listing as the primary adversary are subtle and subversive. These kind of adversaries, discord, jealousy, they always predicate open fits of rage. Openly selfish ambitions. External slander. It has to start in the mind before it comes out of the mouth. Arrogance and demonic disorder. Take a look at verse 21. It says, I'm afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of impurity, sexual sin and debauchery in which they have indulged. Now, you should be hearing a progression here. Yeah. See, the result of the demonic campaign is to produce inside of you discord and jealousy. To produce something inside your thoughts, inside of your heart, that eventually leads to external, outright sin, outright impurity, outright sexual sin. And it disables your ability to be able to be perfected in Christ. It yeah. derails you from the purpose of Christ. And it diminishes the power of Christ. Christ. That's what these demonic onslaughts that start internal are trying to do is to completely derail you from God's perfected power being seen inside of you. Oh, come on. Is this resonating with everybody? The experience that you have that sin takes you further than what you want to go. I'm talking about the internal things that are happening inside of you. Let's look at this further in James chapter three. Say pride wars as you're turning. Pride wars. We're going to pick up in verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Look, if you have, notice it says that in the beginning of this verse. If you have these subversive, caustic contaminants of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, the enemy is undermining you. It's happening. These things can and will undermine your defenses. They will cause them to crumble, crumble by digging beneath your walls, digging beneath your brotherhood, and all the while it looks good on the outside, yeah. the support from beneath caves in. Yeah. Notice that in verse 16, there is disorder and every evil thing. See, bitternesses, 
bitterness, offenses, they were always intended to undermine your order, to undermine the shalom, and to produce disorder, to bring about every sort of evil thing in your life. And this all starts from not asking you if you might. It just says, if you have these things that are operating. Turn with us to Hebrews 12, and we're going to see how the writer of Hebrews helps us to understand this even more clearly. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Make every effort. I thought it said some effort. Partial effort. No, do not be like me in high school. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many see that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son afterward as you know when he wanted to inherit this blessing he was rejected even though he sought the blessing with tears he could not change what he had done now pastors The scripture clearly states that we must make every effort to live in peace with everyone. How much more effort do you think should be applied to the brotherhood of believers? Oh, come on, church. If you need to live in peace with your neighbor across the street and you're sitting next to sons of the living God, that kind of shalom is something that we must learn to cultivate. God has called us to be men and women of peace everywhere we go. When other men have jealousy and discord, putting it underfoot with the shalom that presides in you. Then what must God think about discord within his own house? Gracious. See, what it begins to undermine us is what the book of Hebrews is trying to teach us. It's describing things that ail the people of God. And here's how it describes it. A bitter root. This is precisely because roots start very localized, but what do they do? They spread outward further and further until they have undermined every foundation that is within their vicinity. That is what this is working toward. Yeah. Describes the city of Houston. (laughs) (laughs) Look, in a day and age where headlines are filled with discussions, discussions about super spreaders. Boo, exactly. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. (laughs) We have a choice. We have the choice of spreading the shalom of God or allowing the localized bitter root in us to defile many that we come in contact with. Realize that your internal despair doesn't affect you alone. It will grow up to cause others to feel like a failure as well. Your discouragement caused by faithlessness will not only cause you to fail to operate in teams, but it will cause others to operate in teams as well. You guys with us this morning? Do you want us to spare you and lie to you? You want us to tell you the truth? Exactly as Hebrews states about Esau, a bitter root held on to long enough becomes irreversible no matter how called you are. So whether you think it's a big deal or not, if you hold on to the bitter root long enough, 
It is irreversible even if you cry and plead with the Almighty God to change it. Wow. It's too late. Wow. Contemplate that for just a moment. I think that it is high time when we consider this, that we identify these things that are subtly assaulting our body in this house. Yes. Undermining our forward progress because we are making it and we are fighting for it. Amen. Undermining the strength that is Hours in unity together. Amen. Come on, saints. Once again, we find ourselves squared up in a life and death conflict. Here we are. It's a contest for the souls in this room. But we've been given the perfect purpose of our king. The power, not for those things to undermine us, but for us to cut the ground right out from beneath Amen. our enemies. We've identified them. We know where their barrage is and we are going to cut the ground from beneath them and we're going to do it together and we're going to do it today. Church, are you going to rise up in your souls and attack these subversive elements? As we begin our actual sermon topic, we can choose to stand together. Yeah, we're just getting started, y'all. Woo, feeling warmed up now. We're going to choose to do something this morning. We're going to choose to stand together as one man. Come on. Jews who stand together like the prophets of old, who entrusted themselves to their gracious Lord and their unified team that God gave them. They watched their adversaries swallowed alive by the earth and continued on to do even more exploits. As you might have guessed, Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 is discussing the imagery from Korah's rebellion in number 16, cutting the ground out from underneath, where the same old adversaries, jealousy, discord, and strife, had given way in the camp. They were beginning to run rampant, and they were trying to undermine the work of God, and at that point, they were threatening to break apart the camp of God into different divisions. Whoa. Not the unified kind, Whoa. but the kind of separation. These kinds of things threaten us. You guys hear me? Yeah. If it threatened Moses and Aaron, I promise you it threatens us. These kinds of things threaten us, but only when we fail to build the walls that are perfect unity. That are being surrounded by the purpose of God in the fight for God. Amen. When we fail to rise to become powerful in battle through dependency upon him together... We are subject to these things. Amen. But when we choose to stand in that power, in that purpose, in that perfect unity, we are no longer subject to things like jealousy and discord. It's not even on the list. Come on now, church. God has given us the solution. Somebody say solution. solution. It's that we will build up those walls, that we will be perfectly united in this house, in our homes, across the one association. We will be purposed in the fight, and we're going to be powerful in the day of battle. This is LCM. We are amen. a pride of lions, and we know exactly what God wants us to do. Can somebody say amen? amen. Turn with us. To John chapter 17, and let's see what Jesus Christ himself has to say about this topic. John 17, 23. I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. Everyone say perfectly one. Perfectly, perfectly one. one. 
so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as, I, as you love me. Look here in this passage, in the final days of Jesus' life on earth, his prayer to the Father in regards to his disciples was that they would be fortified unto being perfectly one. And the reason that he says this is that he is well aware of the opposition they would face. And particularly the internal opposition of jealousy, of envy, of discord. The very things that Paul often spoke of. The solution to the opposition was to become perfectly one. Guys, you catch that? Perfectly one. Anybody a fan of the ESV in the room? Perfectly one. As he and the Father were one. We're talking about a kind of unity that is more than just agreement. That is more than just a mutual benefit. But becoming one. As one entity. One unified body. The Greek word for perfectly one is seen on the slide here. In Strong's number 5048, many of you will be familiar with it. It's Talio. You guys are good Bible students and are familiar with this concept. It means to complete or reach the intended goal. But this morning, there's something specific we wanted to highlight. We want you to take a look at the part that is highlighted in yellow on your screens here because this caught our eye. It says, to make perfect, although not faultless, wow. but bringing to a state of completion or fulfillment. See, perfection inside of you is not the point. Being faultless is not what we're looking for. But God brings us into a perfect oneness that we are going to be aiming at. And we're going to hit it here in this place. All right. I can see Adam Cora tracking. Did you guys catch that? Is that not lifting to your soul for a yes. moment to understand what God is trying to accomplish? I love the, the part of this in yellow that says to make perfect. Yeah. Although not faultless, what we are experiencing in our body is the process of our king making us yes. perfectly one. There are some things that we're headed up against, these oppositions, the internal items of despair, feelings of failure, and lack. These very things arise inside of you when you look at the intended goal of becoming perfectly one. Does that resonate with anybody? We're calling out for unity. We're calling out for carrying on our shoulders the load that God has given us to do as a team. And the minute you hear it, you begin to fall into these feelings of, I can't. There's no one next to me. These are the very things that God did not intend for you to focus on. His intent is not for you to read the passage and feel pusillanimous. Instead, he wants you to delight in your weak circumstances that bring us to a state of completion, of maturity, of being perfectly one. Oh, come on. Christ's intent was that we would delight in our current weaknesses, but that we were being made one and Amen. like him. Now, the parallels to this concept are obvious in 1 Peter 2. Being brought to completion or being built up, it says. Yeah. I think we're just going to go ahead and read it. This is 1 Peter 2, 4 through 6. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, 
You also. Somebody say, us also. Us also. Like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Come on now, when Jesus is describing being perfectly one, you are well aware that he's not describing some type of social club, some type of social event. See, as Peter's stating it here, he is building a house of spiritual stones that are capable of with un- of withstanding the undermining of the enemy, this spiritual house that is on a solid foundation and that each stone is being added as God himself is setting it in its perfect position. Oh, you can think about this much like the house that's being built on the bedrock in Luke 6, 48. One that could not be shaken by the flood of dissipation of its times. One that could not be moved by the torrents of tyrannical attack upon it. Just in case we haven't quite gotten to the imagery that we want to in your minds. We're going to read Isaiah 26 and hear Isaiah's description of this concept. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter. The nation that keeps faith. Isaiah, John, and Peter are all describing a kind of rich imagery that is found within the Tanakh. They're describing this house that God will establish that is fit for service in the priesthood. Why don't we go to Exodus 29 verse 8 together. As you're turning there, say pride wars. Exodus 29 and verse 8, it says this, bring his sons and dress them in tunics and fashion caps on them. Then tie sashes on Aaron and his sons. The priesthood is theirs by a lasting ordinance. Then you shall ordain. Everybody say ordain. Ordain. Aaron and his sons. See, you might be surprised to find here that the word ordained in the Septuagint is the Greek word Telio, to be made perfectly one from John 17. See, you are to bring them into a state of completion, making Aaron and his sons perfectly one. See, you're aiming at a perfect purpose, and you're cultivating a power inside of these men that causes them to be able to push all the way to the end. Uh, And not done as an individual, it's done as a collective team. Look, as you can see... From my recently ordained friend and not yet faultless ministry partner. No. (laughs) There is a push towards perfect oneness, a unified power, and the purpose of Christ resting upon him and his own weaknesses. Guys, what we're trying to say is that we are initiating a process to become like Christ. That we are being perfected to become one. Unifying in his singular purpose in a given day. Experiencing his power. Not that the moment that we began the process, we arrived. We're initiating a process that we must fight for, that we must build for. You, LCM, are being built into a spiritual house. You are being fortified. 
you're becoming able to defend the purposes of God and minister the priesthood rightly together. Come on, in addition to that, you are being challenged every day to grow to the height of your full potential. You are being perfected in this house, purposed, and you are participators in the very divine power of God himself. Come on. Do you want some more richness and depth of what's here in Exodus 29? Because we found something that's, that's pretty surprising. Is that what the literal Hebrew says in Exodus 29, 8? Instead of ordained Aaron and his sons, it says, Male Yad Yad. Meaning, fill the hand, hand of Aaron and his sons. The process of being perfectly one is recognizing that your hands need to be filled. Brought unto total completion. Amen. See, oftentimes we see the lack in our hands, don't you? Yeah. You're thinking about what you don't have. Oftentimes when we see the lack in our hands, that, that is all that we can focus on. But what God sees is the purpose of the priesthood that he is forming inside of each one of us. Come what on. God sees, he sees the power of our oneness as we operate as a team within this body here at LCM. Somebody lift up your hands for me. Say, fill my hands. Now, better yet, say, fill our hands. When you see it in its right context, that God is filling the hands of Aaron and his sons because they are operating in perfect oneness. We want to return to John chapter 17. We're going to read verse 22 in light of what we just learned in Exodus 29. As you turn, say pride wars. And also as you turn, have that rising confidence inside of you that our Lord has, is, and will fill our hands with his glory. We're going to read John 17, 22 in the ESV. The glory you have given me, I have given to them. Let me read that again. The glory you have given me. What kind of glory would that be? A heavenly, all-surpassing glory. The glory you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one, even as we are one. Guys, the same glory that rested in the hands of the priesthood that was ordained by God as his representatives has now filled the hands of all those who believe. Yeah. He set his glory upon them. Those hands that were once empty, those hands that were once used for ill intent, yeah. have now been redeemed, purified, yeah. and are filled with his powerful presence. Man, are you hearing what Pastor Judah just said to you? Your hands have been filled. You now have more than just the ability to defend yourself. Your hands have the power to move mountains, Amen. to advance despite any assault that is against you. It can break down barriers. You now, as brothers, as the brotherhood that is here, have the ability to empower others. See, this is what Paul meant when he said that you are more than conquerors. Amen. Look, the same thing was said of David's men. When they had unified around God's perfect purpose for their place and time, and they were likened unto God's powerful heavenly army because there was no gap in their walls. Come on. 
They had been built into a spiritual house that could stand the flood of dissipation, that could bear up under the torrents of tyrannical attacks. Come on. More than that, they were on the march against the enemy. Somebody say, no more warring with pride. No No more more warring with with pride. pride. We are now a pride that is at war. They were not only able to withstand tyrannical assaults, not only able to withstand difficult times, they were on the march against the enemy. And they had found the means with which they could strengthen each other to win every battle. Come on now, you should hear it and it should cause something to be rising within you. We're not asking you to just sit back in defense. We're saying that God is doing something in us and we got to move forward. We've got to march together. This is not the time for us to run and hide, but to stand and fight because our God is with us. See, these men understood this because they could bear up under the kind of difficulty that was against them because they had learned how to bear up under the very ark of God. They learned to have their hands filled with carrying God's presence, the very throne of God that is upon this earth. Think about it, church, when we do this together. Somebody say together. 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 God's presence confirms the affirmation of his ambassadors like the budding of Aaron's staff in number 17. When we do this together, the impossible becomes possible. Just like the crossing of the Jordan River in Joshua chapter 3. My personal favorite. When we do this together, God's presence is able to decapitate Dagon or your issue. And every other devilish care derived from a caustic, corrosive contagion, just as 1 Samuel 5 displays. Come on now, this must have been what Paul was meditating on when he gives us the Christian commendations of 2 Corinthians 6, declaring what? That we have weapons of righteousness in our right hand and in our left hands. See, we, like the priesthood of old, possess the word of God and the spirit of God collectively. Somebody say collectively. Collectively. Just like the men who had their hands on the ark containing the written tablets of the word of God and was enveloped by the very presence and spirit of God. Look, we want you to imagine something. I'm not going to get you to close your eyes. Keep your eyes open. Can you imagine warfare when teams of men have their hands filled with the spirit and word of God? Because I can tell you warfare will surely come in the next seven days as we're in Tennessee. So we're not just talking about us. You. you. Warning you. Which in the long run, yeah, does intend for warfare on us too, but we're in this together. I want you to imagine something. How about Mr. Uh, Justin Butler and Paul Rosales sitting down to enjoy a dinner, sharing the living word of God and revelation begins to pour forth and they are encouraging other like the right hand and left hand working in unison. And that revelation then goes to serve on to edify everybody in this room. Can you imagine that? Oh, come on. I got another one for you. How about Gibby and JJ sitting down, passionate, fiery men of God, praying through the tabernacle together, in enveloping the heavenly realms with God's heart and intent and begin to move mountains on behalf of God's name. Oh, and I yet have another one for you. 
How about Tom? And Marlon. Men who have a heart for the father's heart. They want to see the salvation of souls of men around them. They want to see those that are dwelling in darkness fought for and brought into the light of God's kingdom. They want to reach down to the depths of hell and rescue souls left and right. Can you imagine that? Oh, come on. We are fighting for a greater unity than what we've had in the past. Imagine a man like Caleb Brown and Justin Treister working in separate areas of Houston all day, but praying for each other and sending each other life-giving speech, not because you had to, but because God moved you to. Imagine a man like Juan, talented as he is, and a man like Nick Rosales, as strong as he is, learning to partner together to win battles that they could not on their own. Man, I think about Assad, the Lion King. Ray Ludvigson, the lion heart. Man, that's beginning to sound like a pride of lions to me. Oh, they may have no natural reason during their week for their fields to collide, but the spirit is going to move them and show them how to grow in a unity that is beyond what we've done before. Come on now. Think about men like Chris Rayusora. The little Rayusora clan that is ever growing. They got like 27 kids now. It's awesome. What about a family like the Rayosaurus getting together with the Makowicks, man? Letting the life of those kids get there, different generations, different places on the planet they were born, yet getting together because they have been unified, perfectly made one with the purposes and the power of God. Come on now. What about a man like Nolan Hewitt? Don't y'all just love Nolan Hewitt? We love Nolan. Come on now. You get a man like Nolan Hewitt getting together with somebody like Jaron, and they are getting into the deep things of God. They are presenting life to each other. They are speaking words to each other. God wills it. (laughs) I got a last but not least here. Can you imagine what it's like for the lions of a man like Ibrahim Zakari to get together with a lion like Leslie Spites, man. These guys getting together, sharing the word, and seeing the very power of God descend upon them. Man, can you imagine any, you know, silly, trivial thoughts undermining this pride of lions? No. No, you can't even imagine that when you're walking in the purpose and the power of God. I can tell you what, we're going to make a declaration this morning. We are going to war. We're not going on the defensive. We're going on the offensive. We're advancing the gospel by storm in our workplaces, in our homes, in our families. And we are going to do it in the one association of churches. Amen. Saints, on every level, he is making us perfectly one. He's making us perfectly one between husbands and wives. Yes. He's making us perfectly one between families in this church. He's making us perfectly one between fivefold and elders in this house. He is also making us perfectly one on a grander scale. We have and we will continue to rally around his perfect purpose. His power is being made manifest in us as we carry his presence together. We will do this all the more. Somebody say, all the more. All the more. As the days draw near. Come on now, with that in mind, turn to Leviticus 26. We're going to read verses 6 through 8. And as you are turning, say, pride wars. Pride wars. In verse 6 
of Leviticus 26, it says this, I will grant peace in the land and you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. I will remove wild beasts from the land and the sword will not pass through your country. Suffice, suffice to say, the sword won't pass through your country, but your sword is supposed to pass through their country as you drive them out. Amen. See, horse church, we're... The rider. The, exactly. The horse and the rider. We are the ones going forth because we're no longer on the defense, but we're on the offensive. God has removed every wild, ravenous, delusional thought fomented by demonic smoke that is being blown towards you. And even Lincoln Joe agrees with that. Church, do you want some more? Verse 7. You will pursue your enemies. And they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred. LCM, we have made some extraordinary strides. And we have not yet begun to operate in our full strength as a church. What we are cultivating in this room right now, right here, is more than just fivefold. We are cultivating a hundred families that will go and reach that region, the Aswan region. Come on. Come on, our enemies are going to fall. We're going to keep reading. And a hundred of you will chase 10,000. Wow. You're beginning to get the idea. And your enemies will fall by the sword. Has he made it abundantly clear our enemies are going to die? Yes. Before you, LCM, before you, your enemies will fall. This is a promise of what this house will become and will accomplish as one singular unit. See, we got to acknowledge that we are not the original recipients of these verses. We are Gentile graftins, but we've learned to be just like Ittai. We've learned how to march with our great Israeli king and understand the promises that were given to them can also be made with us because we are co-heirs with them. I'm going with them, Pastor. I'm going to rise up. Consider this. Consider the history of Israel. Every time they were divided, every time they were acting as individuals, they were weak And pusillanimous. Pusillanimous. But when they walked in perfect oneness with their God and their brothers, man, they were powerful in battle. Come on. You guys know this from Israel's history. You saw such amazing successes and utter failures. And it always had to do with their unity between each other and the one true God. Deuteronomy 7 says something that emphasizes this point. And remember, you're a Gentile grafton. You have been allowed to participate in the exact same promise, regardless of how we relate to it. Deuteronomy 7.7. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples. God's design for Israel and you as a grafton is to initiate and put his people in circumstances where we are weak. And it is easy to see his powerful presence moving on and through us. Come on now, think about it. In the battle against the Amalekites in Exodus 17. It was not because of the individual military might that the people of God found victory. Rather, it was the perfect oneness of Moses, Aaron, Hur, Joshua, and the rest of the men operating perfectly as one that the powerful purpose of God was on display in their midst. In the battle against Agabashan in Numbers 21, 
It was not because of their individual great strength that they found victory, but rather that when they operated in perfect oneness, the powerful purpose of God was on full display. All right, somebody say on full display. On full display. Yeah, you're going to do that. In the battle for Jericho in Joshua 6, it was not because of the individual brilliance of a single military strategist. They found victory rather through perfect oneness of all the people and the priesthood. And the priesthood. As they physically carried the presence yeah. of God around the walls Woo. of their adversary, effectively undermining their ability to resist the kingdom of God. Yes. They demonstrated what it looks like to be perfectly one and allowed the powerful purpose of God to stand on display before the world to see. Amen. Come on now, continue. Consider men like Hezekiah, Josiah, David, these mighty kings of Israel experienced supernatural deliverance yeah, that in many ways has yet to be superseded. And although you know their individual names, nothing, everybody say nothing, 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 nothing about their lives were independent. Hmm. One that comes to mind is Hezekiah. He worked with the priesthood in an itty bitty little known prophet called Isaiah. <laughs> in addition to Hezekiah. Josiah partnered to propagate the word of God with a man named Shaphan. Oh, come on. You've been there for Jeremiah. You know what we're talking about. David. David in many men's eyes. And he was a superstar of all time. He was. Like the darling of Israel. And rightly so, he is called the darling of Israel. Yet what many don't consider is that he was surrounded by the largest team that you can find in scripture. A network of priests of officials, of prophets. Unless you think these guys are yes men, go read the story with Nathan and David. They were definitely a team and mighty warriors upon whom the spirit of God would move. Mighty warriors who were team members and could hear from God and stand with God. Come on now, one such man is found in 2 Samuel 23. Turn quickly with us to 2 Samuel 23 and we're gonna begin in verse 11. Say pride wars as you are turning. Verse 11 says this, next to him was Shama. Shama. What a good name That's for a son, name. Gary and Pharaoh. Shama. Next to him was Shama, son of Egi, the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, <clears throat> what every Stevens family and particularly Judah loves, make sure that you bring him many, many bowls of lentils. Oh, various types. Your pastors don't usually like to. <laughs> I did then. Israel's <laughs> troops fled from them, but Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. Yeah. He defended it and struck the Philistines down right hand and left hand. And the Lord brought about a great victory to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know what you might be thinking. Pastor, this accounting is of an individual man. Well, the truth is, is that he was one of David's mighty fighting men and was originally accompanied by other men of Israel who fled in the midst of the battle. Oh, come on now, pastor. I heard what you just said, and I know it's rolling through their mind as well. He took his stand alone and he fought and God delivered him. So that's a great story, but it's not making your point very well. Why'd you share it? We shared it because this man is taking his stand to fight for something that I find undesirable, 
but is definitely required for his brothers to continue to live. He is contending for the provision of the men of God that have left. He has not left because they need something and he will not yield until they get what they need. Come on. Oh, I think we may have a few thoughts for you on this matter. But first, you might consider your last week. Oh, my work has been so frustrated. Well, perhaps there's a dose of something that could help you. We'd like to take a quick commercial break for our service here today. Commercial break. Church, mm. are you often frustrated? Do you feel that your performance has been lacking of late? Would you describe your spiritual life as flaccid? Perhaps you should ask your doctor about taking a healthy dose of our formulated Shama supplement. It's made of heavenly lentil beans. Its effects may cause you to forget about your own situation, your own desires, and summon the courage to fight your brother's battles. Additional side effects may include supernatural deliverances, flagrant disregard for one's own safety, and perpetual dying to self. And in the little itty-bitty fine print, if your firm stance and joy lasts for more than four hours, please consider giving your pastors a praise report. What up? Oh, yeah. Get it. <laughs> we have an automatic monthly prescription that we can give you. Our commercial break is now over. And we will begin with our broadcast to Matthew chapter 13. Let me read this to you. Matthew 13, starting in verse 8. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. You thought that you would, or you should, be able to produce thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold all by yourself, whenever you read this passage, right? All right. My Torah students, you men who love the word of God, do you think this Israeli rabbi pulled this concept out of a vacuum? That it was just totally random, had nothing to do with the things that had come before? Saints, it is firmly rooted, like our Shama supplement, in the Torah itself, the concepts laid out about multiplication. See, Israel's performance in the war and in the field were always multiplied dramatically when they came together in perfect oneness, just like we saw together in Leviticus 26. Guys, when you're thinking about Leviticus 26, did they have a good yield when there was five? Yes. yes. Is there anybody who can do some quick math in the room and realize that it was a greater exponent as they Much. unified to a hundred strong? So with that in mind, one last time, Let's revisit John chapter 17. So everybody turn there. And as you're turning, we're going to garner the thought process of the entire council of the word that you haven't noticed in this passage. John 17, 23 in the ESV. I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know. The perfect and powerful purpose of Messiah was always to unify his Israeli brothers and us Gentile graft so that with them 
we might be able to multiply his presence reaching to the ends of the earth. See, saints, Jesus never had defensive concepts in mind. He was not concerned about your prayer circle for uh, nervousness, about your tight-knit social circle that was uh, for alleviating your anxiety. He was concerned about the greater unification of his house. Yeah. That every time it was added to, it magnified, it multiplied, and it moved yes. outward. Amen. Jesus' words were to his disciples, and he knew they would go win Gentiles. Jesus' words were his disciples, and they knew that with those Gentiles, they would go win the rest of the war. See, these men had incalculable courage and it could be cultivated in each other where his word would be magnified upon their shoulders and made manifest for all yeah. men to be able to see it and see it in an obvious way. Amen. We began our service today by reading about the Gadites in first Chronicles chapter 12. These men all had faces of lions. They were a pride of lions, and they knew how to go to war. They were brought to perfect oneness, not only among their group, but with other brothers as well. Whew. They were down warring with pride. They were. It was a pride war. Yeah. First Chronicles chapter 5, verse 18. The Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh had 44,760 men ready for military service, able-bodied men who could handle shield and sword, who could use a bow and who were trained for battle. Guys, did you notice that their numbers were counted all together? Yeah. They were not counted as individual tribes or two and a half tribes like uh, Adam Cora and Steve Thomas sitting next to Chris Riazor over there. <laughs> they had a cumulative total. It's good to be a part of the body of Christ. Our successes, our failures, they're a cumulative total between us. It's like getting married. Your debt's now my debt. This is how it works. Right. And we all strive to be able-bodied. Raising up men who are able to fight because their individualism is gone. Their self-preservation is gone. They now count themselves as one army. Woo. They've been taking their Shama supplements. Come on, let's look at verse 19. Shama supplements. Verse 19, listen to this. They waged war against the Hagrites, Jeter, Naphish, and Nodab. They were helped in fighting them, and God delivered the Hagrites and all their allies into their hands because they cried out to him during the battle. He answered their prayers because they trusted in him. Come on, church, six times in these two verses, you're getting the demonstration of the perfect oneness of these men, these ones who understood how to operate in their own group and kept adding to that group yes. so that it continued to multiply the powerful Amen. effect. They received the powerful purpose in their victory as they worked together. Amen. Come on now, church, this is what we as leaders are doing. This is what we as families yes. in this church are doing. This is what we are doing across the churches of the One Association. It's why we're going to get together so we can do with the pastors and elders of the One Association exactly. Somebody say exactly. Exactly. Exactly, exactly what we're doing here in this house. Everyone say we. 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 As we operate in that formation of we. There's an 
exponent from heaven that gives us the ability to walk in perfect oneness, to walk in his purpose, and to be exponentially powerful. Let's look at verse 21. They seize the livestock of the Hagrites, 50,000 camels. That's a lot of camels, isn't it, Ibrahim? Yeah, that's a lot. 250,000 sheep, quarter of a million, 2,000 donkeys. Praise God, the sheep outnumbered the donkeys. Amen. They also took 100,000 people captive. Wow. Some people can barely manage putting 50 people on a bus. This is 100,000 people taken captive. And many others fell slain because the battle was God's and they occupied the land until the exile. See, look, from this passage, what we're building at is that these tribes were walking in perfect oneness. And the result was that there was a perpetual possession that increased exponentially. Having a singular purpose that provided provision for all of God's house as they had need. Real reliance on the power of God as one man yields supernatural results even 30, 60, and 100 fold. But on the last note, the Gadites, after having already learned with you that their faces were individually fierce, but collectively they formed the face of a lion of God. Their armament is what we want to equip you with this morning. This is from 1 Chronicles 12, verse 8. Some Gadites defected to David at his stronghold in the wilderness. They were brave warriors, ready for battle, and able to handle the shield and spear. Their faces were the faces of lions, and they were as swift as gazelles in the mountains. Now, to be quite clear here, we're not being very historically accurate, but we believe that it will be useful for your understanding. A shield for your brothers. When men are in combat in the Greek style, we're not speaking about Hebrew warfare, but phalanx. Everybody seen a movie, seen a picture of Spartans standing together? They have two things on them, a shield and a spear. These men who learned how to build teams on a level that we want to build teams, so not only in their own households, their own clans, their own body, but between tribes, these men operated with two weapons. This is what's mentioned about them. That they had a shield for each other and that they had a spear for their enemies. Saints, we believe this morning that something can be derived of this for you. We've spoken to you about the multiplication that, that occurred in John 17. How it related to Leviticus 26 and enemies being driven out in exponential fashion. Yeah. In these coming days ahead of you. What we want for you to do is to raise up a shield for your brothers, a spear for your enemies. What is now off the table is concern about your own personal value. Amen. What is now off the table is your own personal despair. Your life is now about strengthening each other and killing each other's enemies. Amen. Now, if we really do that and we believe that we are participating in an Acts 2 kind of church, will anyone's needs not be met? And when we live and die selflessly for one another, all will be made strong. The enemies will fall as God's word says that it will. Amen. We don't have time to cover today. 
because we're going to get in vehicles here in just a moment and take off. But we don't have time to cover Revelation 12 with you because we have tribes to unite with. But the parallels between the Gadites and the believers in Revelation 12 are unending. In both passages, they overcame together. Somebody say together. Together. By the blood marking them all and their collective testimony producing a supernatural yield. Amen. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. As you're t- turning, say pride wars. Pride wars. We're going to pick up in verse 7. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling? He asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless. A miserable business. All right, saints. When you were operating alone, way long time ago in the past, (laughs) it was a miserable business. That's true. But now, now you have undermined the caustic contagion of comparison. And the demonic despairing thoughts through the word of God and through the collective testimony of the brotherhood. We are telling you the truth of of what is going on in this place today, church. You are a pride of lions. You have become perfectly one and will not yield to that status. You walk boldly in the purpose of God. And you are powerful because your hands have been filled with the glory and the very power of God. Man, we have gone on to so much more than just suffering alone, defending against attackers. But collectively, we're joining side by side to have a shield for our brother and a spear for our enemies. Let's look at verse 9. Two are better than one. That's Peshat. Two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. Oh, come on. You're hearing it again. That sounds like powerful production. That's a multiplication that is beyond what one man could do on his own. But two together do more than either one could individually. Look at verse 10. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity, pity the fool, pity anyone (laughs) who falls and has no one to help them up. See, now that kind of purpose, purpose to strengthen each other as you complete this mission, now that you understand what God is doing, this is the kind of fight that will cause every man and every woman, yes. every family in this place to succeed because we succeed together. Look at verse 11. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. See, we're operating in not just a three-stranded cord here. We are building to operate in a hundred-strand cord. Come on. on. Saints, if you believe the word of God, that anyone who falls down and has someone to help them up is benefited by it. That if two lie down together, they can keep each other warm. That one might be overpowered, but two can defend themselves. And we're talking about unifying not just individuals, 
but families in this house. Amen. We're talking about unifying this house with other houses yes. on an entirely different level. You might begin to summon the faith to see how we can accomplish the vision that God has given. Because he begins to multiply your efforts on a way that could never happen alone. We're inviting you in every way to be put on display. You have learned. You have been hearing from us for weeks about what this looks like. For just a little while, we're going to be in a separate location, although not absent from you. You get to pray and cultivate that warrior spirit for your brothers. Amen. I'm asking you to take the time to pray for men in this room you would not normally be around. I promise the names that we listed earlier were not the only ones, but they were also not carelessly picked. God will give you a shield for your brothers, and he will give you a spear for their enemies. We will put on display his magnitude, his multiplication through us collectively in this house. Last scripture for you. It's 1 John 4.12. Let me read it. Just stay focused up here. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected, is talio in us. What we're going to do this morning is that we're going to choose to participate in his perfection now. We're going to choose to have collectively his purpose at work in us now. We're going to choose to have his exponential power at work in us as a church body now. Set your hearts and minds on seeking God right here, right now. For his ability inside of you to undermine and destroy all of those adversaries that are warring against us being perfectly one. And then when you stand up from this altar, put your feet to action. Don't let this be ethereal and just a high and lofty aspiration. Today, I want you to put this into effect. Your pastors want to see this living and active inside of you. Begin to fellowship with those in this body that you normally wouldn't. Go head to head against your insecurities that make you want to withdraw. Instead, advance your feet forward because it's only together that we can become perfectly one. Please stand. As I pray... Set your face towards the presence of God and then we will rise in his perfect oneness. Father, we thank you for giving us your word that directs our heart, mind, soul, and actions. We say by your spirit and your word, fill our hands. Fill our hands with your glory and fill our hands with the ability to unify with you and each other. We love you, mighty God, and we thank you for this entire body that you have given us. Amen.